Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of the tastiest morsels from this week's issue. I'm Anne McElvoy and I lead Economist Radio. And on the menu this week, Venezuela scrambles to keep its lights on. China tries to exterminate foreign names and media companies bet big on theme parks. But first, Trump's triumph, America's tragedy, was our cover line. Defying political odds and conventions, and not to mention a plethora of condemning voices, Donald J. Trump looks certain to be the Republican candidate for the next presidency of the United States. The business tycoon has tasted victory, but his win is a disaster for the Republicans and for America as our cover leader argued. During its 160-year history, the Republican Party has abolished slavery, provided the votes in Congress to pass the Civil Rights Act, and helped bring the Cold War to a close. But the times, they are a-changing. After Indiana's primary, it is now clear that Republicans will be led into the presidential election by a candidate who said he would kill the families of terrorists, has encouraged violence by his supporters, has a weakness for wild conspiracy theories and subscribes to a set of protectionist and economically illiterate policies that are by turns fantastical and self-harming. Fortunately, he'll probably fall short of entering the Oval Office, we predicted. A candidate whom two-thirds of Americans view unfavourably will find it hard to win 65 million votes, which is about what the winning candidate will need. The share of women who disapprove of him is even higher. But even Trump's coronation as a candidate will send ripples of anguish around the world. America's allies will watch the polls fearfully, whether at the UN Security Council or at bilateral talks in Beijing. Mr Trump's spectre will loom over every meeting between America and a foreign power between now and November 8th. As the gloom from America's presidential race begins to seep around the globe, we take a brief trip down to Venezuela, where people are being plunged into total darkness. As an article in our America section explained, the beleaguered country is running out of power and the government is scrambling in the dark for ways to keep the lights on. It has instigated scheduled four-hour rolling power cuts across the country, which in some areas have lasted for days. Civil servants have been told to work just two days a week. In fact, inactivity seems to be the current policy of choice. The remedy for the energy crisis, the government seems to be telling its citizens, is to do as little as possible. But if electricity is running low, well, why not just keep the sun out for a bit longer? Clocks have been moved forward by half an hour, ending the Venezuela-only time zone introduced by the late Hugo Chavez, the country's leader from 1999 to 2013. While Venezuela struggles to find remedies against dwindling power, over in China, the ruling Communist Party has policies to undermine the strength of what it sees as a threat to cultural purity. As an article in our China section reported, 
The subversive culprits being purged are unlikely candidates. Foreign names. Weird names for housing developments, think Merlin Champagne Town and Oriental Yosemite, exist across China. Merlin Champagne Town certainly warrants a visit. The names in Chinese are generally the closest phonetic representation of the English words, sometimes with the English below for show. A floral cursive or Gothic script is preferred. Nothing wrong with a little embellishment, but why not stick to names from the Orient? Western-sounding names are commonly used to lend the apartment complexes, towers, and gated compounds that have gone up over the past two decades, almost all architecturally adrift and hideously ugly, an air of the international and exotic. Yet any whiff of pizzazz these places have enjoyed may soon be fading away. For in March, the Minister of Civil Affairs, Li Li Guo, called for Western and other bizarre property names to be expunged as part of a state council determination that such names damage what else? National sovereignty and dignity. Well, on the dignity part, he may be onto something. From the topsy-turvy nature of China's cultural whims, we flip through to our business section, where an article charts the ups, downs, and loop the loops of the theme park business. It can be a hair-raising ride for investors, but it seems many media companies are betting big in the hope that the market will keep cranking up. Major media companies are clamouring to open new theme parks or expand their existing offerings. Universal Studios, which is owned by Comcast, has its own Chinese park in the works, a 3.3 billion dollar project slated to open in Beijing in 2019. Viacom-owned Paramount Pictures has plans for a similarly pricey development outside London. Investing may seem a little perilous. What with the challenges of the theme park business, delighting both ten-year-olds and their parents is a magical feat in itself. And as anyone who has heard the gruesome tale of Euro Disney knows. Parks are costly to build and expensive to maintain, but it seems it's the twists and turns of other markets that are making investors jump on board. Newfound enthusiasm for them partly reflects upheaval in the media industry. As it has become harder to reap riches in television and film, companies are eager to spin gold from both their vast content libraries and to attract attention to their new offerings. From one tortuous journey to another, we move into our finance section, where an article dipped into the convoluted quest to find the creator of Bitcoin, the world's first cryptocurrency. Since Bitcoin's inception, the enigmatic creator, known only as Satoshi Nakamoto, has kept stum about his identity, meaning, of course, that many have set out to uncover it. An article reported on the latest twist in the tale on May second, Craig Wright, an Australian entrepreneur, published on his blog what he claimed. Was proof that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. Mr. Wright tried to convince the Economist his claim was sound, but we had some qualms about certain aspects. In particular, Mr. Wright was unwilling to use his keys to sign digitally a message provided by us, which would have been stronger, although not absolutely watertight, evidence that he is Mr. Nakamoto. In the end, a spreading scepticism caused his claim to crumble. On May fifth, he wrote on his blog that he did not have the strength to continue trying to prove his identity. 
prompting most to add his name to the long list of false leads. In other words, another Satoshi has bitten the dust. But in this tangled tale of technology, plots and subplots abound. One theory holds that Mr. Wright was only one of a group of inventors of Bitcoin. Two possible members of that team, Hal Finney and Dave Kleiman, have died. We won't be hearing their side of the story then. But if you'd like to hear more on our Bitcoin quest, do listen to our Money Talks podcast published last week. From the secrecies of Bitcoin's beginnings, we turn to our science section, where researchers have been trying to figure out all the clandestine affairs of the animal kingdom. As an article explained, keeping tabs on critters day and night can be taxing work, which is where a new tracker may come in handy. Hang a collar fitted with a GPS tracker and a radio transmitter around a wild animal's neck, or simply glue such a device to its back, and you will know all the time where it is. So you know which field it's in, but not what it's getting up to in it. For this, you need to have someone in the field watching and taking notes. But some bright biologists have come up with an easier way to watch. By adding an accelerometer to the tracker, they have found a way to spy in detail on the lives of the world's fauna. They configured the device using the movements of captive chipmunks. After passing 28 hours' worth of data from the captive chipmunks, it was able to work out what the rodents were up to. Running, grooming, digging, eating or lying still. 82% of the time. And perhaps what they got up to the other 18% of the time should stay between chipmunks. We follow them along the trail to our books and art section, where a review took a look at the history of the English country house. Harking back to early last century, it explored how the institution evolved between the two world wars. Looking back on the years before war broke out across Europe in 1914, Vita Sackville-West, an aristocratic English novelist, remembered an upper-class world of warmth and security, leisure and continuity. But this comfort was upended by years of turmoil. Mansions and estates were put up for sale at an unprecedented rate, which rose further after the stock market crash of 1929. Some were torn down, others abandoned. In the 12 years to 1930, more than 180 country houses were destroyed. Yet the haze of history around these real Downton Abbeys may have been hiding a period of great promise. The interwar era has long been seen as an Indian summer, awaiting the death knell of the Second World War. But, as Adrian Tinniswood argues, in an engaging new account of interwar country house life... This has obscured a world of energy, invention and change. And a joie de vivre which couldn't be extinguished. A spirit of restlessness characterised the age. Country house parties could last from 48 hours to three weeks. Now there's a lesson we could all learn from the past. I'm Anne McElvoy and that was our tasting menu. Do send us your feedback via email radio at economist.com or on Twitter at Economist Radio. In London... This is The Economist. The Economist.